on here on the show to be named later. Um, can you, re you should request to share screen also. I don't know. Uh, how do I say yes? That's interesting. All right. Well, this is the show to be named later, uh, where we are talking baseball kind of whenever. Uh, I got Daniel Curran over here on Zoom. Uh, there's me under the name Michael Gianta, because this is my dad's Zoom account. But it is my middle name, so it's sort of like Michael Gianta. Uh, today, we're going to debunk a certain man, you know, a man who's been praised you by all the know. community. What was that? A man who you all know. Yeah, a man you're very fam familiar with for, you know, his... Uh, three MVP awards, his career 1,000 OPS. But we're here to tell you why it's all a bunch of hogwash. What if Mike Trout isn't actually the best player in baseball right now? And what if he doesn't have a chance to go down as the best player in baseball history? Chris, I was very active on my Instagram. So for those of you who don't know, I have a baseball-related Instagram that I've had for about five and a half years now. I got it in between seventh and eighth grade. And I was bored out of my mind in this quarantine yesterday. So I put out a little uh, thing for my followers uh, to type in any active player. doesn't matter who. They just got to be active. And I'll give a stat to show that they are overrated, no matter who it is. If it's Jacob deGrom, I'll do it. If it's Bobby Wilson, I'll do it. I will find a stat to make every single person overrated. So I do this. And, of course, the first person I, I get requested is Mike Trout because – why, why would you send anyone else? It's Mike Trout. And initially I was going to send, oh, he's never won a gold glove before. Woo, he's, he can't play, can't play defense. Oh, no. And obviously that's not his fault. You know, he's, he's competed with a lot of great American League center fielders. You know, Kevin Kiermeyer, Kevin Pillar, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, Byron Buxton, another one. Like there's a lot of competition for defense out in AL center field. So can't really blame Mike Trout for not having a gold glove. Uh, but Chris comes in from the top rope with an absolute slap in the face to anyone who thinks Mike Trout is anything good of a baseball player. Chris, do you care to go ahead and explain? So, you know, I've been, for the past eight and a half years, I, I've been hoodwinked. I've been hoodwinked by the man that wears number 27 on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And I thought he was a good baseball player until I realized <laughs> it's all a sham. Because in the fifth inning, with no outs, on the road, through a 2-2 count, in 21 plate appearances, he is 0 for 18 with a 143 OPS. 0 for. 0 for, completely. He could not have done any worse. Yeah, literally. The batting average and the slugging, the slugging percentage uh, variable there. Luckily, some pitchers are still scared of him and want to walk him. I mean, we have to consider there are some times where they're home and it's, uh, it's not the fifth inning and there are people on base. But, I mean, we have found that we have found Mike Trout's weakness. People yeah. have been trying to do this for eight and a half years. No one's quite done it yet. 
Uh, and here on the show to be named later, we are giving you what nobody else can give you. And that is where Mike Trout is not even bad, but quite terrible if we're being completely honest here. I mean, an offer, not even one hit, not even one that got through in 20. And it's not like a, it's not like over three. It's over. You said 18. Over 18. Yeah. I had, I had 21 yesterday, but even, even that. Well, like it was 21 plate appearances. But 18 at bats. Cause he walked three times. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So, and you might think, oh, it's through a 2-2 count. You know, no one does well in a 2-2 count. But comparatively speaking, this guy still stinks. <laughs> this guy still stinks in this situation. I mean, since Mike Trout's debut, which was uh, July 2011, I forget the particular date, but since Mike Trout's debut, the league average for uh, guys batting on the road – with no outs in the fifth inning through a 2-2 count, the league average has been a 199 average uh, with a 602 OPS. So Mike Trout is miles away from that. As he has a 0-0-0 average with a 143 OPS. And also, since his debut, there have been 478 uh, batters to have a uh, to be in this situation. 478 batters to have five plate appearances in this situation. And he ranks 434th in OPS. And of course, dead last in average. So, and slugging as well. At what point do we consider stripping Mike Trout of all three of his MVPs and taking away his $430 million extension contract that he got from the Angels last year? Yeah, and I, you, this has to go legal because you think anyone who's ever bet on the angels at, you know, a casino or it's completely legal now. So anyone who's bet on this absolute bum has been absolutely hoodwinked by the media, the government, the United Nations, everyone, everyone yeah. said Mike Trout is good at baseball. Even, even the aliens. I bet the aliens think he's good too. Oh yeah. This is an intergalactic opinion. And uh, it's just a, a bunch of nonsense. Absolutely shameful. Uh, I mean, how, how have we not seen that? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very excited because, Chris, I'm, whenever baseball comes back, uh, I am going to pay attention to Angels games whenever they're on the road and it's the fifth inning and Mike Trout is due to, like, lead off the inning or something yep. like that. It's like, we were joking around about this last time. We were like, well, you know, imagine he comes up, the announcer's like, well, he can finally get the monkey off his back right here. He can do what, what everyone has been publicly harassing him for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was our that was our Mike that was our Mike Trout little saga that we discovered yesterday. I mean, I I'd love to go along with the joke, but I'm sure there's people out here out there that don't understand the uh, the joke of it all. Obviously. By the way, this is this is quarantine. Like this is what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I just t- I sent a picture of just the fan graphs thing to Daniel and I was I just said what am I doing here yeah what, what am I doing and I, I should be doing schoolwork, but <laughs> no That's motivation not. to do that but yeah um so yeah Mike Trout obviously is fine but we found his weakness we did two two count I can't wait for like him to get into an o2 count and then the pitcher just those two intentional balls yeah that's <laughs> That's what, we, that's what we were saying. It's the easiest solution ever. You don't have to intentionally walk him. You just got to throw two intentional balls, and then you're good. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's no um, way he statistically speaking, there's no way he gets a hit. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, I took a probability and statistics class. That's ultimate that's We're both taking sports stats class right now. Yeah. Yeah. Not that the we really odds, need that, but you know. The odds of him being on the road with no outs. Uh, in the fifth inning on a, with a 2-2 count, the odds of him getting a hit right now are zero completely. Yeah. To go based on the past. Based on based on his history, an 0 for 18. That's right. That's your – that's this, you know, that's best that's player in baseball. You know, that, you, know you, you look at guys like, you know, uh, David Bodie. He has a 5,000 OPS – Dawel Lugo, <laughs> yeah, Dawel Lugo, he has a five thousand OPS in that situation. Matthews Jr. with a five thousand OPS. <laughs> they they should all split the four hundred thirty mil. Yeah, that they, might supposedly getting paid over the next thirteen years. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, Dawel Lugo, I can't imagine his paycheck was that fat, and he's better than Mike Trout. And imagine, like, more than 30% of baseball fans know who Dawel Lugo is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I basically found out about him yesterday. I knew he played for the Tigers, but I didn't know, like, much about him as a player. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't even know the Tigers part, to be <laughs> quite honest with you. Dang. Uh, it, is weird. it is weird on here because I have the phone right in front of where my Google Chrome tab is, so I can't really see. Uh-huh. Can't really see what I'm doing, but uh, today is our stats episode. So this is weird because we're doing <coughs> we're doing our Periscope, obviously, yeah. uh, as you can see here, and then we're doing a Zoom recording, and we're gonna send this link uh, to Apple Podcasts, which should be approved because obviously this is this is quality content here. All facts, no printer. Yep. So uh, the Apple podcast says it, get, says it gets approved within like two weeks. So that should be good. So if you're listening to the podcast form, welcome to the podcast. This is, we get really into the numbers. Uh, if you want to go into like the archives, my Twitter is at Chris underscore Gianta. We've, we've periscoped every episode we've done since november and we started yeah. the show in october but we, we started exactly october 1st the day of the nl wildcard game of yeah. course the game is juan soto against the brewers game uh just a little little archive because i love i love reminding the world of this that show uh i had a take that i said um the juan soto era nationals will be everything that the bryce harper era nationals were not and that took about i mean after that game alone that already that already stood as true because they could never win a playoff series, period. But to go on and win a World Series, I mean, that, that is absolutely perfect for what I said was going to happen. Yeah, you were, you know, out of the gate, one for one on takes. Exactly. Yeah, so that, you know, and uh, I didn't start, like, archiving the show until November when I, fig- I, like, I didn't know how to, I just figured, like, Periscope would be a good way to archive. And if we can get this on Apple Podcasts, we're probably going to stop with the Periscopes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of the show update. So if you're on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify, welcome. Uh, today, if you're, on Android, if you're on Android, there's also a uh, podcast downloader app that I have that I use for Apple Podcasts. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. 
I'm uh I've I've been Apple like since day one, so okay. I don't know I don't know that struggle, you know. I've never owned an iPhone. Fun fact. <laughs> you're probably you know, you're probably winning. It's probably not as expensive and it's probably just as good. That's uh, still an iPhone. Yeah. It's it's a it's a smartphone. It's good. Exactly. But uh, today is it's a good you know if this ends up being our first podcast, it's a good one to start on because we're explaining all the stats we use, um, you know, why some are better than others, how we kind of have to check stats with other stats. Like for example, you know, if a guy's ERA is low his fielding independent pitching is high we might have to check out like is he giving up hard hit balls at a high rate is he not like how fluky is he um we'll get more into that we but, are putting uh, you through baseball statistics boot camp today yeah yeah because you know especially and it might sound a little a little condescending but we're trying. We're trying not to make it condescending. It's just the game has been kind of modernized lately, um, and uh, yeah, like it's most. It's mostly just our parents listening, and they don't really understand what we're talking about when we say ex Wobicon. Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, yeah. some, few people understand what expected weighted on base average on contact is. Yeah. Uh, yeah of course, exactly. you live us here. Uh, and we are both huge nerds, so that's okay. And we know what we're talking about. Yeah, it, you know, and we've learned from, you know, other podcasts and... Uh, you know, Twitter personalities, particularly for me, uh, mm-hmm. that's been a big help. And a few websites. I, I've You know, Chris and I, we use the same, mostly three websites when looking at baseball statistics, and they are Baseball Reference, Fangraphs, and Baseball Savant. Those are my main three. I know, Chris, you like all three of those as well. There are a few others out there, Sabre.com, RetroSheet, PitchFX, uh, things like that. But those are my main three. Uh, they, I think all of them are really helpful in their own different ways, which is a lot of fun. And it's, it's cool to just like – it's almost like a different – it's math that I'm good at, which doesn't, yeah. which doesn't come by very often. Oh, yeah. Like order – like uh, you can kind of learn about order of operations through like, like mm-hmm. uh, OPS and like slugging percentage. Exactly how all that works mm-hmm. but uh and yeah mlb network brian kenny gets really good with that mm-hmm. i kind of learned about war through like MLB yeah mlb now it used to be called uh it used to be called club yeah clubhouse confidential i remember it was called that but Way now back. yeah now it's mlb now with brian kenny and he's really into sabermetrics which is kind of surprising because he was he was you. He used to be just like an ESPN anchor, but he's yeah. actually kind of like a sabermetrician, which is which is pretty. Which is awesome. I love it. Yeah, he's he's like the Bill James that like gets more publicized, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, and he, you know, he's entertaining. He's kind of a, a controversial guy at times. He hates bunts. <laughs> he. Uh, what a, what other controversial takes? He, he loves the opener. He loves the opener. Yeah, he does. He was like the like first last... to suggest it. He, yeah, pretty much. I remember last year he went to Ray's Fan Fest and he took a picture with Ryan Stanek and he was like, this is the guy right here. Like, I think when it ultimately got approved, the opener was 2017 AL wildcard game. He was like, the, yep. Uh, yep. 
the uh, Yankees should use an opener. They should have Chad Green pitch one inning. Yeah, and they did. Luis Severino got shelled, and 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 they took him out after a third of an inning, and then they ultimately used their bullpen, and they only gave up one more run. That I remember, time. like when he said he said that in like August or something like that, or like September. Like long before the wild card game, and everyone was like, "Are you crazy? Like, why would you like? Yeah. It's a one game playoff, and you're gonna have your bullpen. You're not gonna have your dependable starter who finished." And to be fair, Luis Severino finished third in the Cy Young voting that year, so I get not wanting it in that scenario. But obviously, that's ended up, what ended up happening. Of course, the Yankees did have the best bullpen in the league that year, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but when that happened, everyone was like, "Well, I guess we all owe an apology to Brian Kenny now." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone on Periscope just said y'all are nerds and uh, I would yeah. have to agree with that. No, we definitely are. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long, long he's been listening to the show, but it's true. It's true. So yeah. Our, uh, so like when you, when it comes to baseball stats, I think the, the guys we that have been traditionally evaluated kind of wrong by like the common fan have been position players and yeah. you know from the time I grew up it's been what's his average what's his home runs what's his RBI exactly what's his how many hits does he get yeah how many hits does he get all that stuff and you know Moneyball is also a good movie to, to kind of open you up on on this stuff like what average and what average home runs and RBI don't really represent is, you know, how often they're getting on base outside of hitting. How well they're driving the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, how many how many bases you're getting, um, how many bases you're getting, whoops, how many bases you're getting when you hit the ball. So, you know, we talk about, there we are, Daniel Curran has shown me the uh, the Moneyball DVD. Yeah, it was sitting right next to my desk. It's all, it always is. It's my yeah, favorite movie of all time. The Giantas also own Moneyball on DVD as well. That's right. Um, That's but, the movie I quote with my dad the most. Yeah, I <laughs> I might have to like watch it soon just to just for the baseball cure. Yeah, but yeah they were talking about how you know you need guys that can get on base. You need guys who can take walks. And it's usually not as simple as that, but it gets, it gets overlooked. And you look at a guy like Shinsu Chu, who, mm. you know, he doesn't have, he didn't have like a long uh, hitting streak. He had, you know, a hot, he had like a 45 game on base streak though. 2018. It was in like July, 2018. I remember the Red Sox uh, were playing the Rangers then at Fenway. And it was at, like, 37 games at that point. And I was like, well, I want the Red Sox to win, of course, because I'm a Red Sox fan. But I also kind of want to see Sinshu Chu just get on base, however it is. If he walks, if he hits a home run, if he hits a double, I don't care. Get Sinshu Chu on base. And he, he kept it going throughout the whole series. Yeah, because literally a walk is the same as a single, literally. Like, uh, I, right. I, I, won't agree, I won't necessarily agree with the term a walk's as good as a hit. But a walk's as good as a single, for sure. The, the only, the only pl- I will correct you on this. The only place where that sort of changes is if it's like a hit that moves a runner from first okay. to third. If it's like a, it's like okay. a single well, to light or something like that. Because we'll a walk, be like, uh, not do that. like with 
when I look at runners in scoring position, I certainly look at average more than I look at on base percentage or OPS. Yeah. Um, My favorite is slugging, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, so the best the best statistic we'll just explain the best statistic offensively the best statistic that you can calculate the most sure. popular one most popular one as of now is OPS and I say one that you can calculate because there's ones like weighted runs created plus which is yeah I mean if of, you ask me if you ask me like I don't know when we started the show back in October what my favorite statistic is I would have easily said OPS and sort of as we've, you know, gone on with the show and we've, we've both become smarter with, you know, statistics and everything like that, I think it may have changed the weighted runs created plus at this point, but OPS is always something you have to look at with a hitter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with, my thing is, is like, I want to be able to calculate it. it might be like a pet peeve because when I, when I explain these statistics, I want to be able to say like, oh, it's obviously, you know, times on base divided by plate appearances then you add the slugging, which is amount total bases divided by at-bats, uh, at -bats, yeah. and then add those two. You know, yeah. it's kind of it's simple math. Weighted runs created plus is like, I can't really explain that off the no. top of my head. <laughs> it's insanity. I remember, uh, so if for those of you that can't see, uh, I have a Barry Bonds uh, background behind me on Periscope. He's one of my, even though I did, never got to watch him play live, he's one of my favorite players uh, that I've that I've ever uh, come come across I guess uh, in my senior year of high school last year I did a uh, my senior thesis presentation about why I think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame and I basically went into a deep dive on his statistics but I didn't get too crazy with like the weighted runs created plus and the weighted on base averages and stuff like that and I made I took a look at his career triple slash line which I know off the top of my head is 298 444 607 and 1051 um, and I you know I took time to explain you know, what on base is, what slugging is, and why it's important, and why, you know, OPS is one of the better stats. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really important stat to know if you're a baseball statistician like us. Uh, and there, you really can't go wrong with it, which is the best thing about it. Like, you know, people talk about batting average, like, oh, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, fully um, determine how good a hitter is. It doesn't fully evaluate a hitter. OPS does that. Pretty much, yeah. 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 OPS, it, you know, it's the, it's how, how often are you getting on base and how many bases are you getting? And also like, how well are you driving the ball? Yeah. How well are you driving the ball? You know, if, if there's a guy on first, can I trust that you can drive him in like on a double? Can I trust you to get a home run? Are or you, you like a place setter? Like, are you, this is going to sound controversial, but are you like Derek Jeter where like, you know, Mm -hmm. he, you know, he, he's a credit first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, I'll give him that, but also an 817 career OPS, relatively low uh, for a guy of his caliber, I guess. Uh, and he's, you know, he was a singles to right field type of guy and nothing wrong with that. You know, hey, look, I mean, it got him 99.7% of the ballot. But in the grand scheme of things with all these statistics, that's not exactly the ideal type of hitter uh, in a perfect world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, with OPS – you know, it, uh, so yeah, OPS, we look at, you know, on base plus slugging. Um, and I kind of explained it like on, on base percentage, literally very simple times on base divided by, so times on base is like hits, walks, hit, hit by pitches 
divide that up by plate appearances. Slugging is your total bases, the amount of bases you're getting on hits. You divide that by uh, at-bats. Then you add those two together, you get OPS. And uh, pretty, pretty simple stuff. Um, and then run, with, with runners in scoring position, I like to look more at average because, at, because if you walk, if there's a man on second um, and you walk, you're not driving the guy in. Mm-hmm. If, you, if there's a guy on second and you get a single, you're probably driving that guy in. So uh, I like to look more at average than on-base percentage with, with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Uh, I mean – yeah, I mean, you you nailed the you put the nail on the head, Chris, with runners in scoring position. Obviously, that's where you sort of are able to change up uh, your thoughts on batting average and, and walks and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, I decided to. Sorry for the periscope viewers that I have to move my phone so much, but the how it works on Mac is if you want to change tabs, it's on the bottom of the screen, and my phone is on the bottom of the laptop and it's covering all those. So I have to move the phone sometimes, but it's fine. So there's some quality seasons I'd like to point out that weren't represented well by the traditional average home runs and RBI uh, standard that, you know, has been looked at basically since like the live ball era, even probably before that live ball era is 1920, basically forever. So I look at someone like Jason Worth in 2010. There's actually two seasons that I'm looking at with Jason Worth. I saw them in the prep sheet. I was like, man, that is a name I have not heard in so long. Yeah. He's, uh, when he was with the Phillies in 2010, he was 14th in average at 296, which is, you know, respectable. Uh, tied for 15th in home runs, uh, 27, respectable. And uh, tied for 23rd in RBI. Uh, with 85 so it's not you know the the kind of bars people set guys at is like did did you hit did you hit 300 oh that means you're good did you hit 30 homers that means you're a power hitter did you hit did you get 100 rbi like that's good he had none of those but he finished sixth in ops because he was first in doubles and he was eighth in walks so, you know, average home runs, RBIs, it doesn't look at, you know, doubles are a big part that can contribute to your OPS and walks also, you know, contri- contribute to kind of a large discrepancy in like average and, uh, and OPS. And in 2014, that remained true. Um, he was 10th in batting average at 292. He was tied for 37th in home runs at 16 and uh, tied for 15th in RBI with uh, 80, with 82. But he was 8th in OPS because he was 5th in the league in walks and uh, he was 11th in doubles. And his 82 RBI was also not representative of how well he hit with runners in scoring position because uh, with runners in scoring position, he hit – 338 with a 1014 OPS. So it's not like um, he wasn't doing well when given the opportunity. He just didn't have a lot of opportunities uh, to um, to drive runners in. Then, and another thing, it's like, you know, a lot of people relate this with like leadoff hitters, which is not fair because if you're a leadoff hitter, 
how many opportunities with the runners on base are you getting? Because you're obviously not getting any in your first at bat. And if you're following up the eight and nine guys in the lineup, chances are they're not getting on pace as efficiently as you'd like. Uh, so, you know, that's why a guy like – I look at Mookie Betts in um, – I want to say like 2016 or something like that. He, you know, he had a great uh, almost MVP season. He lost to Mike Trout. Um, but uh, there was definitely a case to be made for him uh, for MVP that year. I'm not, I don't, you know, even as a Red Sox fan, I don't particularly have a problem with Trout winning. But, you know, a lot of people held RBI against him, which I thought was unfair. I'm looking at 2016 right now. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at 2018. His, his, this was his MVP season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he hit 346 with a 640 slugging. Both of those led the league, also a 1078 OPS. Uh, but he only had 80 RBIs that season. And I say only, not in the sense that I really mean it, but that's what everyone was sort of suggesting is, oh, why don't you give it a try? Why don't you give it a try to get 80 RBI? Mookie Betts was hitting leadoff. I mean, and the Red Sox, their catcher position in 2018 was uh, pretty subpar, to say the least, offensively. You know, they had Sandy Leon, uh, Blake Swihart at times, Christian Vasquez before he sort of – took off this last season and a lot of people were complaining that Bet should have won it if he could only drive in you know 80 runs a year uh which it's not a particularly his fault if he's not really you know if he's not getting anyone on for him yeah and that was also god I, I got some burpage going on but it's you know it's fine uh <laughs> like there was a case of like JD Martinez possibly winning too because JD Martinez hit those traditional numbers like yeah. right on it. I forget his batting average. It was like 320 something. I got you. And then he had 43 home runs and 130 RBI. But I, like, I remember JD Martinez had the second most plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So like, you know, he was, he did great with runners in scoring position, but he also, you know, he had the opportunities. And so you're talking about 2018. Sorry. Yeah. So, in 2018, it? he hit 330, uh, had 358 total bases, 130 RBI, and 40, 43 home runs. Yeah, and also my point is uh, JD's OPS was almost 50 points less than Mookie Betts. Uh, it, was te- it was 1031, which is about, uh, 40, yeah, 40, 47. 47. Yeah. 47 points. So, you know, and I don't – base it entirely on OPS but because I I am going to go over like if a guy if guys kind of have the same OPS how I kind of evaluate things and also you know a guy with a higher OPS could still be worse than a guy with a with a lower OPS so and uh, we could go over that and that could be because of you know not doing well with runners in the scoring position it could be bad defense it could be you know the guy with the lower OPS uh, got more stolen bases. It could be, it could be a lot of different things. Um, that's why, you know, that's why evaluating kind of baseball players. And that's why we love like award season is there's so many different directions it could all go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at an overrated season, uh, first, because I'm not, I had like five seasons that, uh, I was, I would go over, but there's like, there's countless examples. If you want to look it up yourself, like Shinsu Chu in 2013, um, 
uh, he his average home runs and RBIs weren't great, but his OPS was was up there because he got on base. Freddie Freeman in 2014, uh, kind of the same thing. Uh, Matt Carpenter 2015, and then uh, Joey Votto pretty much his entire career um, has been a guy that like his you know his average he, he has a career like 307 batting average, but his about that OBP. But his home runs and uh, RBI haven't always been up there because he walks so much. And, yeah. you know, that's just kind of his, his style. And it doesn't – it's not a bad thing. That's, that's, the, that's the point. It's not a bad thing. Louis Votto has a career 421 on base percentage. 421. That is almost at Barry Bonds' level, and Barry Bonds is barely human. Yeah, I saw earlier. He's, he's had – 13 full seasons, I think. And he's led the NL in on-base percentage seven of those seasons, more than half. Uh, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons on baseball reference. Uh, all of them full seasons where he had at least a 400 OBP. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, that type of stuff gets overlooked if you're just looking at average home runs and RBI. And, you know, networks – it's it's a lot of it is on TV networks to kind of promote that, and one network I would say does it well is uh, ESPN because I think like uh, you know you know you show they you show the um, God I hate moving this phone, uh, but yeah they show you know the stats as a guy you know you you picture the the setting like guys mm-hmm. coming up. And you see, like, uh, if it was J.D. Martinez in 2018, like, his OPS was, like, the first thing that they showed, not his average home runs in RBI, which I like. And they also show the uh, MLB average for OPS. But one season that was a 30, 30 home run, 100 RBI season that yeah. was not really good was Albert Pujols in 2016. So the guy had – 31 home runs, obviously very good in terms of home runs. And then he had 119 RBI, which was third in the AL. But you know why he had 119 RBI? It's because he was he had the third most played appearances with the runners in scoring position that year. So he just had more yeah. opportunities, so he was able to drive He also had Mike Trout hitting ahead of him. Yeah, he had Mike Trout hitting ahead of him. God knows how many extra base hits he had. Probably none in the fifth inning on the road with a 2-2 count and nobody on. Oh yeah, you have to factor you have to factor that in, um, but yeah, Pujols he did. He, I mean, he hit three oh nine with runners in scoring position that year, but like it's still not spectacular. So he had a seven eighty OPS in that year where he had thirty one home runs and one hundred nineteen RBI. It's because he wasn't he wasn't getting a lot of other extra base hits. He only had nineteen doubles that year, and. Uh, his walk, he had less than 50 walks, which is very, very subpar. And uh, there's another, there's another guy uh, that I should point out, Adam Jones. Um, he's still, I think he's still kicking in the league, um, but he's a, he's a free swinging guy. No problem with that. So in 2013, he was 22nd in average at 285, which is very respectable. And then he was sixth in home runs at 33 and third in RBI 
with 108, which is, you know, sixth, sixth in home runs and third in RBI. That's like MVP caliber. Yeah. His OPS doesn't really say that because he was 19th in the AL in OPS uh, with an 811 OPS. That's because he was tied for 19th in doubles, which is, you know, good, respectable, but not great, not up there with the home runs and the RBI. And he was tied for 125th in walks in the AL. He had 20, I think he had 25 walks the whole year. And also uh, had a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position. He was top 20 in the whole league uh, with uh, runners in plate appearances with runners in scoring position. So he had more opportunities. He wasn't getting walks. So, it, so his average didn't really represent how much he was getting on base. Um, so, you know, kind of an overrated season in terms of if you just look at average home runs and RBIs, it might look like a great season. But in reality, an 811 OPS, it's only like slightly above average, maybe just like at that above average level. A pretty good season, but it, it's not represented by his home runs and RBI. And there are also plenty of seasons uh, from this past year alone, 2019, that can perfectly reflect the, uh, the idea that home runs and average and RBIs aren't as important as they used to be. One guy I would like to pull up right now is uh, Renato Nunez from the Baltimore Orioles. This guy, yeah. he plays for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, and he had 31 home runs and 90 RBI last season, uh, which, you know, it makes you think like, wow, like, you know, he's a great slugger. He can hit the ball really well. He does it consistently, 30 home runs, 90 RBI, especially on the Orioles. He had a, I mean, 244 average. I know we've talked about average a lot. Uh, obviously, that is a bit of an outlier. But he had a 771 OPS, which is pretty weak for the for the home run and RBI numbers. This is, yeah, this the, the lead, the American League average for OPS last year was 762. Mm-hmm. He was like nine points above the average. Yeah, and another one is uh, Daniel Vogelbach from the Seattle Mariners. Yep. Uh, 30 home runs and 76 RBI with a 780 OPS. Yeah, there were we do we did point out last year, especially like the juice ball era. Uh, it was, there were eight guys in the yeah. MLB that had thirty home runs and and an OPS less than eight hundred. Yeah, I mean, what like Hunter Renfro was one of them. Uh, Cole Calhoun was one of them. There were there were plenty of them. Yeah, and I should mention before there's any more confusion, I probably should have said it at the beginning. The league OPS last year was high. It was like 758. Yeah. The year before that, it was like 727 or something like that. Usually it's in like the 720s or, mm-hmm. or 730s. It, it kind of changes based on era, but in the 2000s, it's generally been in between, like the average OPS has been in between like 720 and 750 for the most part, I would say. So yeah, like that's, so a, a good like a, an above average OPS is like 800. A great OPS is 900. And then like MVP level is 1000. Upper Bonds is 1422. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you want to do yourself a favor, go to Barry Bonds' baseball reference page. It's, it's bookmarked uh, in my computer. It's just, it's, it's really something. The gold mine. When, whether you like them or not, you can't deny the numbers he put up, even with the roids. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like at least his baseball reference page should have its own plaque. Yeah. There should be a yep. plaque of his baseball reference page. You just like print it out, just like tape it to a wall somewhere in Cooperstown. 
so yeah, that's that's kind of my breakdown of OPS. Why you know the average the average home runs, um, average home runs RBIs. It's kind mm-hmm. of outdated. That's why I think baseball analysts are becoming more you know quote unquote woke to it now. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, there's yeah there's not a lot of people kind of preaching the average home run RBI even the eye test either or yeah the eye test because you know that's that's another thing um let me look at this prep sheet that's another I'll, I'll get into the eye test later there's something there's something I do there are a few things I do use the um the eye test for like defense is one of them we're going to get on that later cuz there oh, are yeah. some different metrics um but the eye test especially for a hitter is sort of outdated it's not as much as like you know you have to see a guy you can't watch with a computer it's like, well, actually, you can do both. Yeah. You can absolutely do both. Um, and uh, the, la- the, the last thing I wanted to do with, with OPS was like, all right, well, say, say two guys have like pretty much the same OPS. Yeah. How do I evaluate who is better? And the example I am using is uh, the 2018 National League Rookie of the Year race. Um, it was between the, the top two guys were – Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, um, two guys that are going to be exciting to watch for the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, hell of a rookie of the year race. So Juan Soto, they they had their OPSs were six points within each other. Uh, Soto's was nine twenty three um, in four hundred ninety four plate appearances. Acuna's was nine hundred seventeen or. Er, his OPS was 917 in 487 plate appearances. So like the plate appearances were pretty much the same and the OPS was pretty much the same. So the main differences that made Ronald Acuna better was uh, Acuna had 16 stolen bases to Soto's five. Um, He had a 341 average with runners in scoring position to Soto's 215 average with runners in scoring position and uh, Acuna had four outs above average. We'll get into outs above average later. But mm-hmm. Acuna had four outs above average. Soto had negative six. So Acuna in 2018 clearly had the better year because, you know, OPSs were pretty much the same. But when you go into the base running and how they were doing with runners in the scoring position and the defense, you could clearly tell that um, Ronald, Ronald Acuna was better. So that's kind of my breakdown of OPS, how you kind of evaluate based on it. If there's two guys that have the same OPS, how you kind of evaluate outside of OPS, because obviously the game is more than hitting. And then, and, you know, we'll get into the pitching uh, later in the episode, but yeah. So uh, Daniel, you wanted to talk about, um, you, you mentioned, you put in the prep sheet, some, some other stats we should, we should talk about. Yeah. So I put three particular statistics in here that I wanted to go over uh, and all these can be very confusing. Uh, so try to just bear with me here while I explain them. Uh, the first one is WOBA, which is weighted on base average. And uh, the fan graphs definition is it is a rate statistic, which attempts to, c- to credit a hitter for the value of each outcome, single, double, etc., rather than treating all hits or times on base equally. WOBA is on the same scale as OBP, and it is a better representation of offensive value than batting average, RBI, or OPS. The weight changes slightly 
based on run environment, but the general formula is blah, blah, blah. And the general formula is absolutely, absolute chaos. Uh, it's, it's really hard to explain, but basically uh, weighted on base average is like, it's like a better scaled version of on base percentage where it's, it's not like you get the same or even like slugging where it's like, you know, if you're, if you are looking at slugging percentage, you get one, you get one total base for singles, two total base for double, three total base for triple, you know, it's very basic. It's not exactly like that for WOBA. It sort of takes in more of like an MLB sort of average where it takes in what league you're in, what ballpark you're in, the environment. And it, it sort of averages that out and puts in a little bit more, more uh, accurate and attention to detail sort of statistics. And it basically judges how well you're getting on base based on that. So it has a lot of similar qualities with OBP and it also has some similar qualities with slugging percentage. And I'm going to read off uh, the top 10 weighted on base averages uh, from the 2019 season, just so you can get an idea of uh, who is doing a good job of uh, keeping with the requirements of this statistic. So number one was Christian Yelich. Number two was Mike Trout. Number three was Alex Bregman. Number four was Nelson Cruz. Number five was Cody Bellinger. Number six was Anthony, Anthony Rendon. Number seven was Ketel Marte. Number eight was George Springer. Number nine was Juan Soto. And number 10 was Nolan Arenado. All 10 of those guys that I listed, all well-known names, pretty much, for the most part. Except, you know, maybe uh, Ketel Marte might be an outlier because he's in Arizona and he's sort of young and in, in, uh, getting a quick start. But the general consensus for WOBA is you got to be a legitimately good hitter to have a good WOBA. You know, it's, it's not like a stat where you're going to have a couple outliers out there. All 10 of those guys were great hitters last year. And Christian Yelich led with a 442 WOBA, uh, which is roughly the same as like the leading on base percentage uh, for every year. So it's not too hard to, to uh, pick out what a good WOBA is. It's basically similar to what OBP would be. Yeah. WOBA. Yeah. WOBA is an, an interesting one. It's like, it's like if, uh, it's like if on base percentage, slugging percentage, and, and OPS just all threw their hat in the ring and kind of had a love, like a love child. Yeah, exactly. And they made a different version of, of on base percentage, which is interesting. It's it's one of those things where like, we're like, yeah, there's not going to be a random guy in the leaders for for woba. Mm -hmm. Like if you, like generally speaking, if you have a good, if you have a good OPS, you're going to have a good. Woba, and you're going to have a good weighted runs created plus. It's a good way of telling who the best hitters are, essentially. And one thing I like to point out, I mentioned how, you know, the, the scores of how what's a good Woba is similar to a good OBP. Uh, Christian Yelich, of course, led with a 442. Mike Trout led OBP with a 438. So only, only uh, four points of difference there between the leader of Woba and the leader of OBP. So it's, it's obviously... You know, it's if you're looking for what a good WOBA is, if you know you're asking like what's good for that, just look, just think about what a good OBP is, and that's essentially your answer, which is good because OBP is on base percentage, and WOBA is weighted on base average, so it, it really determines getting on base, but also factors in the slugging portion of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then another another statistic, uh, not mm -hmm. statistic, but statistic. Uh, another statistic we should mention is BABIP. Yeah. Uh, BABIP is, it's not a word, it's an acronym. It's like NASA or uh, USADA. Um, USADA is U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. I'm just, it's, uh, it's how they got Lance Armstrong, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, BABIP is 
There's a there's a word for that. Acronyms who make a that make a word. I'm not going to get into Anagr- that. Uh, no, never mind. Yeah, uh, it's batting average on balls in play, and by balls in play, it means anything that can have a fielder's influence. And what that means is it's not a home run, it's not a strikeout, it's not a walk, it's not a hit batter. It's everything, everything in between. You know, a flyout, single, uh, a double, a six four three double play, anything where the fielder can make an impact and the ball is hit into the field of play. That's what BABIP is. And yeah. essentially it's when you, when you, it's really, it's quite simple, honestly. It's just batting average on balls in play. And there is a bit of luck factor to do it as well, uh, which is, I, I don't particularly prefer this one to Woba, like I just mentioned, but I do think it is worth mentioning because I will on occasion use it. Um, the leader in BABIP last year, bit of a random name, but a guy who had a great season on the last is Yoan Moncada from the White Sox. His teammate, Tim Anderson, also finished second, uh, who also won a batting title. Uh, the top 10, this one is a little bit more random than the one for Wobo that I just mentioned, but it was Yoan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Brian Reynolds, Trevor Story, Christian Yelich, Leori Garcia, Danny Santana, Nelson Cruz, Whit Merrifield, and DJ LeMahieu. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out, not a whole, other than like Nelson Cruz, not a whole lot of power in that uh, in that bunch there, uh, it's really just how well are you hitting the ball? Uh, just like how well are you placing it basically, which not that that's not necessarily a skill that you can learn. There's a lot of luck in that too, but, uh, you know, it, it's, you can't be terrible at hitting the ball to have a good, uh, yeah. BABIP. one thing I'll add on BABIP is the league average every year pretty much is like 300, uh, for BABIP. And, um, usually like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's all luck. I mean, guys who can hit line drives, like how they teach you in Little League, just hit line drives, uh, place the ball. Um, I feel like, I feel like Jeff McNeil would have a, a good Babbitt, but I'm not sure. He's a 337. Yeah, 337. So that's way above the average. Um, but, you know, someone, someone who didn't have, who used to not have a good BABIP was Joey Gallo. And then he had a good BABIP last year. Um, yeah, it's not, BABIP isn't a, a stat to really rely on. To, to it's not the strongest one, but it's a, it's a good one to know. It's yeah, it's a good one to know. And you could say, you could also say that, you know, if a pitcher might be having bad luck, um, if they're, uh, if they have a high BABIP against or good luck, if they have a low BABIP against, but also, I would say, like, if you have a low BABIP against, you're probably good at getting weak contact, which is also another thing we'll get uh, into the pitching side. But uh, Daniel has a particular stat that he really likes. Weighted runs plus. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about it? I would love to. So WRC plus yeah, stands for weighted runs created plus. It is another rate statistic, just like WOBA, uh, which attempts to create to credit a hitter for the value of each outcome rather than treating all hits are times on base equally. Uh, the first part of the definition is literally the exact same as WOBA, but it also controls park effects and current run environment. Weighted runs created plus is scaled. So the league average every year, no matter what, is at 100. And every point at above or below 100 is one percentage point better or lower uh, than the average. Uh, so it is the stat runs created, which essentially is like, it's, 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 it's as simple as it sounds, you know, how many runs are you creating in the sense that, you know, you're hitting home runs, you're driving runners in, you're putting runners in a position where they can score. Uh, 
and then it's adjusting that to uh, you know the ballparks. Anytime you see anytime you see a plus in a stat like weighted runs created plus OPS plus ERA plus, it's always ballpark adjusted. So it depends on whatever ballpark you're in. And you know the thing you you gotta love about this one is the average is always set at 100, no matter what. It's a really easy number to remember, of course, and it does a good job of evaluating who the best hitters are. Uh, Mike Trout, was, of course, uh, was the leader in weighted runs created plus last year with a 180, uh, which essentially means he was 80% above the average hitter uh, last year. And the top 10 list, it's, I'm not going to list it out, but it's very similar to what the one for Woba was. And while we're on this fun little uh, um, tangent here, I'd just like to address Barry Bonds in 2002 had his best uh, weighted runs created plus. It was 244. He was 144% better than the average hitter in 2002. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say about like weighted runs created plus ERA plus OPS plus mm -hmm. it's definitely a better um, evaluator for a guy. Like the obvious example is a guy who plays for the Rockies. Yeah. That's why Kyle Freeland um, that's why Kyle Freeland finished higher in the, in the Cy Young voting um, mm -hmm. despite having like a higher ERA, his ERA plus was in the top four. I'm pretty sure. Um, go right ahead. While we're on the topic of Rockies players, one thing that I strongly pushed uh, during hall of fame season last year was Larry Walker, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a huge advocate for him and my, my number one, a uh, piece of evidence for why he's a Hall of Famer was his OPS plus that was 141, uh, which was tied with Chipper Jones, who got 97% on his first attempt on the ballot, uh, showing that, you know, the big narrative against Larry Walker was that he was a course field hitter. He played for the Rockies like he, he did well because of that environment. And OPS plus proved that he was good no matter where he was. And that's why I believe he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. And he just barely made it in his last year, but he made it nonetheless. Yeah, and then like, there's uh, there's like guys who probably play in pitcher friendly parks. Like, I I might look at um, Mike Yastrzemski's OPS plus instead of his OPS because Oracle Park, as it used to be AT and T Park, that's like a more pitcher friendly stadium. So his OPS plus might show that he's better than his what his actual OPS is. And I know that might be kind of hard to comprehend, but you know we're doing the we're doing the best we can it's it's kind of weird but you know ballpark adjusted statistics are i i think they're pretty important yeah uh while we're on the chris we mentioned before the show how uh barry bonds was like doing what babe ruth was doing 80 years later uh barry babe ruth's best weighted runs created plus in a season was 239 so uh bonds beat him out yeah beat him out by 5 he did yeah the ba the babe ruth Barry Bonds thing is always, always interesting. Like obviously, it's always fun because it makes people mad. Yeah, like it. It is weird because it's like, yeah, like Bonds was obviously more talented, but it's it's like you know different eras. I don't it's, really like talking about it. And the moral aspect of it as well. Yeah, ex exactly. I, I throw that out the window, but yeah, you know. and I, you know, we've talked about it before, but it's like. They didn't even start testing till 03. So did they really not want it in the game? I'm not sure. It's hard but, to tell. I guess we'll like, never know. Steroid tests have been out there for a while, well before 2003. 
Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's look at the prep sheet. Sorry. Sorry for the audience. Um, so yeah, uh, it's not, it's all obviously with position players. It's not all about the hitting. You got to get into the defense. And, um, the really, the only reason I really look at defensive metrics is when it comes down to the big things. Like if I, if we're looking at Hall of Fame candidacy, if we're looking at like league MVPs, that's the, that's like the one time I'll break out defensive statistics. Like I'm not gonna, you know, just randomly look at a guy. Like when we did our our uh, season preview shows, when we highlighted each division and one player, I'm not gonna look too deeply into the defensive yeah. metrics. And be like this is a guy you should watch. He can't hit very well, but he plays great defense, and that's why you should look at Byron Buxton or Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah, we did zero over-unders on anyone's defensive run Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, defensive metrics, like, uh, an example you pointed out for, like, uh, RBI and mm-hmm. uh, why that doesn't work, the Mookie Betts versus Mike Trout, um, the Mookie Betts versus Mike Trout 2018 AL MVP race, like, Betts, Betts trailed him in OPS, but – he was a much better defender, and he stole more bases. I was say the defensive metrics don't like Mike Trout. Yeah, uh, and personally, we've staved away from any defensive metric that's on Baseball Reference, mm-hmm. even FanGraphs. We go on Baseball Savant because that has the Statcast stuff. It actually kind of records. I trust Statcast with my life. Yeah, Statcast. We're so lucky, you know. I was born in the right generation. Yeah, this humanity has been around for like 10,000 years, and we live in the StatCast era, baby. We're, we're like in our primes in the StatCast era. We're not like, you know, like 30 years old, like not in college doing a, doing a show at our local radio station during the StatCast era. We are 18, 19 years old looking yeah. at Trout's exit velocity being in the, uh, like the 80th percentile in the league. Yeah. So the baseball savant that has all the statcast numbers, baseball reference and fan graphs, they do not have the statcast numbers. So statcast statcast is like it measures, you know, how many feet a certain guy goes to get a catch. It measures like uh feet, like uh, like base running time, like yeah. how like first to third, second to home. Yeah, sprint so speed for uncertainty. Route efficiency, like yeah. how good of a route an outfielder is taking to the ball. Outfielder jump, catcher pop time. Um, obvious, yeah, catcher framing even. The, oh, the, Jeff Mathis. It's the reason – StatCast might be the reason Jeff Mathis still has a job because of his framing. Like he, he's never been a good hitter, but boy, can he frame a baseball. Yeah, yeah, he can frame a baseball. Him. When, you, when I think framing, the first thing that comes to mind is always Jeff Mathis no matter what. Yeah, for some for some reason, I I, I just think of like Tyler Flowers, just because like yeah, the way he like frames from the bottom of the zone but, is kind of interesting. But Tyler Flowers can at least hit. Jeff Mathis is like a career yeah. like one eighty hitter. Yeah, in like, Nor, like OPS good. Nor is his OPS good, but like with Statcast, uh, you know the the best use of it right now. They have outfielder outs above average and. Now they've introduced recently uh, for the 2019 season and, and beyond um, infielder outs above average. So you can basically tell how good of a fielder anybody in the league is now. Hey, Chris, while we're on this topic, uh, Jeff Mathis, his career slash line, 
Yeah, 552. In 15 seasons, he has a 552 OPS. His best OPS for a single season is 667 in a season where he had three plate appearances. His best full season OPS is 642. That's actually insane. That's <laughs> that is actually insane. Like you can survive 15 years. Yeah, with a 550. That has to be. How many plate appearances does he have? Almost three three thousand. If he is he still on a team right now? He's on the Rangers. We need him to get. Uh, let's see, sixty two plate appearances here, so, so he can reach three thousand, which shouldn't be a problem. Wow. All right. <laughs> So yeah, keep keep on keep on the lookout for for Jeff Mathis and awesome career plate appearance, baby. And Mike Trout in the fifth inning on the road with no outs through a two-two count. Watch out for that. Um, right. So yeah, for defensive metrics, uh, Daniel and I are going to go to Baseball Savant every time. Outs yeah. above average is best for infielders and outfielders. Now, um, if you want to go historically, like if you want to go. For from like before 2015, it's going to be hard to rely on defensive metrics. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're like going to, yeah, you can't go to fan graphs or baseball reference. Like I don't like a lot of people sort of like defensive runs saved here and there. I, I'm sort of on and off with defensive runs saved. Like I, it can be useful sometimes, but like in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to look at baseball savant first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we um, that's kind of how we look at um, position players. You start out and uh, actually the big one. Got to talk about the big one. Wins above replacement. What is it? It's you know it's not something. Probably you the most really... confusing statistic of all time. There isn't a defined uh, calculation for it. We're probably like the millionth baseball show to try and explain war you know, I, I explained it in, uh, in class the other week before that. we left and our teacher was like yeah I guess I guess that makes sense so wins above replacement is it's I mean it's simple if you really think about the name of it uh it's a it's a basically an estimation of how many less or more games usually less uh, a team would win if they didn't have the production that a certain player brought to the table um so Barry Bonds had a one on Fangraphs, Barry Bonds had a 164 weighted runs created plus, which suggests that teams that he was on would have won 164 less games. You said if, you, if they replaced him with like an average level player. Yeah, 164 more wins than the uh, a replacement a, re, a replacement player. And I, I actually did some uh, research, like just on my own time, and I kind of calculated. So, like, the Tigers had 47 wins um, last year, and I think their total team war was around nine. So, like, the replacement team would have 38 wins. I just kind of – I just did that. So, like, the replacement team isn't getting, like, zero wins. They're getting, you know, 38, 40 wins uh, for a season. So, you know, you can't – you know – an average player isn't going to have a zero war. An average player over a full season is probably going to have like a, a one or a two. Yeah. Like what uh, the average. Yeah. One win above wins above replacement. Average, I guess if you will. A pretty bad player 
will probably have like a zero war and an awful player will be like negative one. Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell. Lewis Brown. Uh, Chris Davis in 2018 had negative 3.2 wins above replacement, which is astonishing because normally if you have a guy that is capable of bringing you down to negative three, you don't play him. But the Orioles had to play him because of his contract, and also they didn't have anybody else. Isn't that crazy? Chris Davis, yeah, negative three wins above replacement. So according to that, he robbed them of three point two wins. Three out of forty-five wins, or was yeah, it? Um, yeah, something like that. Forty-seven wins. Yeah, I think it was forty-seven wins. Yep. He he robbed them of like of like seven percent of their wins, according to that. Yeah. But yeah, wins Absolutely. above replacement is what uh is like the ultimate stat is people and by the way like obviously it is an estimation like not like nothing that wins about replacement says is confirmed um but it's like we've said with woba and like we've said with weighted runs created plus it's really good at you know saying who the best players are like mike trout is going to lead wins above replacement and even without war existing it's already a general consensus that mike trout is the best player in baseball yeah yeah war is looked at a lot for like the hall of fame and stuff yes. so like when i look at a position yeah, player seven is the magic number when i when i look at a position player and like how to look at them i'll like i'll start by looking at their wins above replacement uh just to get a feel for them then i'll look at their ops and then like if i'm looking at see at a particular season i'm probably going to look at like, their, their uh but if i'm looking at like mvp race i'll probably look at like their average with runners in scoring position or just their general numbers with runners in scoring position. Um, yeah. And uh, then I'll look at like, did they steal bases? What were their, what was like their defensive metrics? If there mm-hmm. was any defensive metrics. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we look at position players. And yeah. also the, there's a lot of different types of wars uh, like baseball reference, for example, has uh, the, the peak war uh, where baseball reference sort of estimates that like someone's peak or their best years is, is about seven years long. So they'll take essentially the best seven year long stretch. It's not the best seven seasons necessarily, but it's seven seasons in a row where they perform the best and they'll take their wins above replacement over that time. And that's their, their peak war essentially. Uh, and usually a good peak war is around like 30 to 40, uh, somewhere around there, um, around seven years. Um, and that's kind of that. And basically, like I just mentioned, the magic number essentially is 70. Like, if you have 70, you're 9 out of 10 times going to be a Hall of Famer. Sorry, Lou Whitaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good topic for, like, Hall of Fame stuff, yeah. Like, yeah. 70, 70 is a Hall of Famer, and then when, once you get into the hundreds, you're talking about, like, that, could, that could be, like, the best player of a generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of an, a, an exclusive club. And then, you know, if if you're in the 50s, 60s, it's like, uh, how did you do in the playoffs? Or, like, what was your peak? Exactly. That kind of stuff. Like, like uh, if, John, if John Lester, like John Lester's war is in the 40s, if he can have a good couple more seasons, I think his postseason resume might be able to eke him in in, like, the eighth or ninth year. He's on a decline, though. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Also, you got to go a lot more seasons because, you know, like, we've seen a lot of guys, like, you know, no matter how good 
a guy's career may be, if they only play like 10 or 11 seasons, they're not going anywhere. And the perfect example of that, in my mind, is Johan Santana. Uh, he was absolutely electric with the Twins uh, when he played, but he only had like 12 seasons because of injury. And he got knocked off the ballot after first year, couldn't even get 5% of the vote. Yeah, yeah. Same with um, Albert Bell. Yeah. Albert Bell um, had about 11 seasons. OPS was over 900, I believe. But he just didn't have the amount of plate appearances that uh, they wanted to see. And uh, they just didn't think the longevity was, was long enough for him to, you know, have that plaque in Cooperstown. It might be a little too late for this, but if John Lester could sneak in a couple, like, five-win seasons maybe – or maybe even four win seasons, you might be, you could be talking about a potential maybe late ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's one of the best postseason pitchers yes. out there. You know, he's not Bumgarner level, but but he's he's up there. He's the guy you can rely on every single time. Yeah, for sure. So that's a good segue into kind of how we evaluate pitchers. Pitching, I believe, um, is not looked at, is not evaluated. Um, as flawed, um, it's not evaluated as badly by the common fan as um, as position players, I believe. Unless, unless, unless you use pitcher wins to determine how good a pitcher is, then yeah. in that case, it's bad. Yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate, like pointing out of a, you can tell if a fan is stupid if if you're looking at a win loss record. That's probably the best one. Yeah. I remember Michael, Michael Wilbon, I'll never forget, on, on Pardon the Interruption, uh, he was like, you know, they were talking about how, like, he would be disgusted if Jacob DeGrom won the Cy Young in 2018 when he had a 178 because he was like 11 and 8 or something like that. And he was like, well, he can't go out there and win the game. And that's what you rely on on a pitcher is to go out there and win you the game. And he can't do that. And, of course, it's not Jacob DeGrom's fault. It's the rest of his team. Either they will never score runs for him or they will, ne- they will always – he will always exit with a lead and the bullpen will proceed to give it right up. So yeah, if you're still listening to this and you want an example of why pitcher wins is a bunch of hogwash, uh, example number one, Jacob deGrom in 2018. Absolutely. He had a 1-7 ERA. His wins above replacement for that season was the best for a pitcher in the decade. Yeah. As a whole. Best season in the decade. Beats out Justin Verlander's 2011 when and Justin Clayton Verlander Kershaw's 2014. And Clayton Kershaw's 2014. Yeah. Won MVP. But I, I look at Justin Verlander's because Justin Verlander had 2.4 times the amount of wins that Jacob deGrom had, but Jacob deGrom still had the better season in terms of wins above replacement and rightfully should have because he had a better ERA. He, I think he had a better strikeout rate, better strikeout to walk, um, better fielding independent pitching, all those stats that we're about to get into. So that's why win-loss record as a, as a pitcher, you know, not many – I don't think anyone in the analyst world is really taking that seriously unless it's for maybe MVP, which I kind of get, but even that I, I don't really understand. Um, but there's not a lot of analysts that are looking at win-loss record for the Cy Young Award anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you really can't at this point. I mean, Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom single-handedly killed the pitcher win statistic. Yeah. Like, Chris, can you, like, I'm going to be honest. When was the last time you looked at a pitcher's win-loss record when evaluating them at any point? Um, I, I must have been, like, 
10 maybe 10. yeah <laughs> it's been quite a while like when we did when we did our uh or, you know, our season previews, like, I didn't look at that once. I was like, I wasn't like, you know, when back going back to June, this guy was 11 and 4. Like, I didn't do that. You can't. Unless it's, like, ridiculous and it shows how good the team is. I mean, like, and by the way, I don't want to, I don't want that to mean that I devalue, like, a 20 win. Like, if you're, if you have a 20 win season, you deserve that. Like, you're a really good pitcher if you have a 20 win season. You can't fluke that at all. Oh, yeah. I remember when we talked about Garrett Cole winning, or mm-hmm. Garrett Cole in the Cy Young contention. Yeah, he, I think from like May something on, he was sixteen and zero. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean you, you can't like you can't fluke that. But also he had like a one seven ERA, so obviously exactly. he put it. Yeah, you're, you're not gonna go seventeen and zero with like a three five. Yeah, that's yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, so yeah, so ERA, it's kind of regarded as the best statistic for pitchers. And it I believe can be a lot here and there, but like I think it's much more reliable than batting average for which is the most common stat for hitters. Yeah, uh, ERA I believe it should be it should be the best uh, statistic because especially for like starters, there's there's you know bad luck isn't something that you're you're really talking about. So like an alternate for ERA that some people that that a lot of people look at is fielding independent pitching. I kind of use it as a bonus stat. Um, fielding independent pitching, uh, for those who don't know, is like the uh, an ERA just based upon um, the amount of home runs you give up, the amount of walks you give up, and the amount of strikeouts you get. So it basically takes out any fielder influence. That's why it's called fielding independent pitching so it's like just pitcher on batter face to face 60 feet six inches what's going on and it creates an era uh based upon those situations the home runs the walks and the strikeouts one thing Um, i like to point out okay go ahead never mind i'll like the the league-wide era and the league-wide um and the league-wide fielding independent pitching is always the same. It's always like the, the, for the league, it's always the same number. So like say the MLB ERA for a year is 4.28. The FIP is going to be 4.28 because it's, it's that alternate ERA and it, and it kind of balances everything out. So Chris, I know that you're not exactly uh, the biggest FIP guy out there. I know it's not, you know, your cup of tea uh, per se, and a reason, a reason to that is, you know, it takes out, it takes out all the, uh, the parts of pitching that a pitcher can't uh, do anything about, like ground balls and stuff like that. It's solely what the pitcher does alone. And SIERA is skill interactive ERA, and that substitutes that back in and pr- creates a different, like, alternate ERA. Uh, and that's a stat that I, don't, I didn't even put on the prep sheet, uh, but I've actually started to get into it a bit recently. Uh, anyway, SIERA, of course, like I mentioned, skill interactive ERA is, uh, is like a long line. It's, it's another ERA estimator. Uh, the difference, obviously, like I just mentioned, uh, it focuses, you know, it puts into effect the balls in play, but also looks at the strikeouts and the walks and the home runs. And it still suggests their ERA because like whether or not you want to take out, you know, in FIP, you want to take out the fielding aspect of it. 
it still exists. Like there's no way a pitcher's ever going to go a game without, you know, the fielders not having to do anything. And that's what I like about SIERA is that it does a pretty good job generally of creating that, um, uh, that estimation and it, and it is more realistic because of what it, uh, what contributes to it. Yeah. Skill interactive area. It's a, it's an interesting one because mm-hmm. like I that's another like pet peeve with me is like, like how deep am I going to go into this? Like it's how, so that, that leads me to another point is I usually like, I'll use the term uh, like checks and balances for this, but like I usually like to check the fielding independent pitching with um, stuff that you can find on baseball savant. So like fielding independent pitching, like basically for guys who love fielding independent pitching, they'll say a guy with a high fielding independent pitching and a lower if the fielding independent pitching is, is higher than your ERA, um, that means that you're getting lucky. If it's, if the fielding independent pitching is lower than your ERA, that means you are getting unlucky. And I don't think it's as black and white like that. I think most people would agree that it's not um, black and white like that. So I usually go to, so like if there's a big discrepancy in ERA and fielding independent pitching, I like to go to baseball savant, which has all the stat cast stuff. So <clears throat> mouth's drying up a little bit, but it's, it's all yep. good. Um, so I go to the pitchers. So like the hard hit rate that the pitcher is allowing hard hit rate is um, the percentage of balls that are hit 95 miles per hour uh, or harder. So basically like, are you are you giving up? Are you are you allowing guys to hammer the ball, uh, or are you not? So if you know if a guy has a low hard hit rate, um, then and they have like a uh, a high FIP, then I don't really trust that FIP. There's also a barrel rate, which is barrel rate. It's kind of hard to to explain. It's like a certain it has to be hit at least 98 miles an hour plus reach a, uh, a certain launch angle as well. Um, and it varies based on launch angle and exit velocity of what a barrel is constituted as. It's basically like, was that ball absolutely hammered? Yes. then that's a barrel. And then uh, expected, expected statistics uh, like Daniel has mentioned um, a lot. You went a lot towards like expected batting average expected batting average and expected slugging in uh in like your season previews I did so that's like it, I don't know how they calculate that but you know it it kind of checks the hard hit rate because a 95 mile an hour uh ground ball to the shortstop is a lot different than a 95 mile an hour line drive an inch over the pitcher's head obviously one is going to um, one is going to have a higher probability of being a hit uh, than the other. So that kind of checks the hard hit percentage, but I usually go more towards the hard hit percentage because um, like expected batting average, I feel like there's too much up in the air. I don't know how much I can necessarily trust it. Maybe I can trust it, but, but I'm not sure. What, 
do you uh what what would you say on that on uh, can you repeat that like uh expected statistics i kind of um i think it's a little up in the air sometimes i mean i think it's i view it the same way i view fit like it's a forecasting tool i'm not gonna say that someone's better than somebody else because of their expected slugging i'm gonna say like hey this person is someone you could watch out for in the future because their expected slugging was through the roof compared to what their actual statistics were uh that's kind of i i basically just view it for four it's like the weather it's like hey you can't say that the weather is going to be good based on what the weatherman says because you know that's uh, that can be wrong sometimes, but it's like, hey, you know, it'll probably be sunny on, on Sunday, <laughs> almost like that. Or, and it's the same idea as like, hey, this guy could start driving the ball a lot better uh, in the coming years if they haven't expected slugging where it is. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like uh, if, if, say, Jacob deGrom had a pretty high ERA to start the season, but his like uh expected batting average against wasn't that high it's like oh he'll probably you know snap out of it the game will balance out that's mm-hmm. that's the thing with baseball is it always kind of balances out toward, at the end yeah so like why so an example of like how i would kind of check era and how i would check fielding independent pitching so like someone who had a uh, a large discrepancy between ERA and fielding independent pitching was Jose Urania in uh, yes. 2017. So he had a 3.82 ERA and he had a 5.2 FIP. It's rare to see a guy have an ERA and a FIP like even half a run Talk about and, social distancing. Uh, what did you say? Talk about social distancing. Oh, big time! <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like his, uh, yeah, his ERA and FIP were in, were were an ocean across each other. They were they were definitely six feet apart. Big time, big time. They were one point three eight, you know, quote unquote runs apart. So that was be- so Jose Urania's Urania's FIP was so high because you know he's not a strikeout guy. Uh, he had six strikeouts per nine, and then three point four walks per nine, which is relatively average. And then 1.4 home runs per nine, which is, uh, you know, slightly above the average, probably kind of at the average. So, like, his FIP was high. So, you might say, oh, Jose Urania was probably getting a bit lucky. But, you know, I go to Baseball Savant. I check. I see that he has a 30.8 hard hit percentage against. And that was top third in the – that was in the top third of the league. And uh, his 85.4 mile per hour – average exit velocity was in the top quarter of the league and uh his fielding independent pitching was bottom five percent of the league so i'm not really going to trust that he was getting uh unluck or i wasn't really going to trust that he was getting lucky there um i'm just going to say that fip doesn't doesn't like him and uh you know he's just kind of a, a ground ball just a pitch to contact, get soft contact kind of guy, yeah. um, at least for that season. And, and another another guy, just for, so there's multiple examples, in the same year, Lance Lynn uh, had a 3.43 ERA and a 4.82 FIP. Another guy who doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, 7.4 strikeouts per nine, uh, 3.8 walks per nine, and 1.3 home runs per nine, kind of in the same ballpark of what Jose Urena 
Urania was doing. God, that's a hard name. But Lance Lynn, his hard hit rate was 27.3%. So that was top 11% in the league. Um, and then his, uh, his average exit velocity against was top 32% in the league. But his fielding independent pitching was in the bottom 10% 10, bottom 10 of the league. And I'm not saying every time that the, the high fielding independent pitching is nonsense. I mean, I looked at a guy. Um, I, did, I don't have it in the prep sheet. But I looked at a guy like Dakota Hudson last year. He had a high discrepancy between ERA and fielding independent pitching. And it was kind of justified because his hard hit rate was like 25th percentile. I see a lot on Instagram, like specifically Cardinals fans, like sort of saying that Dakota Hudson isn't as good as everyone wants to say he is and that he can be slightly overrated, which is, I mean, it's definitely weird to see from such a young guy like him and his own fan base saying that, which I, I think is a little crazy, but it's like the numbers do back it up, like with the expected statistics and stuff like that. Yeah, like he, he, was, in a, he was towards the bottom in, in terms of, you know, percentiles. Yeah, expected statistics. So that's something where fielding independent pitching might help. And then there's, of course, other situations where like the fielding independent pitching is lower than the ERA. Um, I didn't point out specifically those examples, but yeah, that's my that's my breakdown of kind of how I check all the pitching statistics. And yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything to add on like how you evaluate a pitcher? Um, I mean, I, I do look at ERA, like you can't not, uh, I just mentioned SIERA I've been getting into a lot lately. Strikeouts per nine is a good one for me. That one's pretty basic. Uh, especially, you know, in this new age of, of strikeout and home run are becoming much more, you know, there was more strikeouts than hits last season for the first time since, since the dead ball era, uh, or something like that. Uh, so strikeouts per nine is definitely a good one for me. Um, I've been, I think that in the coming years, I'm going to start looking at S I hate to say, I, hate, I can't say this year, which is, is painful, but yeah. you know, I think in the coming years, I'm going to look at S I E R A more than FIP. Uh, I've, I remember in 2017, uh, I looked at FIP and I took my fantasy baseball players just based on like pitchers with like less FIP than yep. ERA. It, it fired it, I finished like dead last that year. It was, it was a terrible idea, but yeah. like, I remember I put Luke Weaver in my, in my rotation and he had like a four five ERA that season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, like Chris, I like what you, I like what you said there on why you didn't uh, rely on FIP so much. Uh, I agree with you. And those are my thoughts on pitchers. Yeah. So basically the breakdown of it is I kind of look at the pitchers ERA first, kind of get a feel for how we is there then I look. Then I look at the fielding independent pitching. If it matches up, then you know makes sense. Uh, if it doesn't match up, then I go to Baseball Savant. I look at the hard hit percentage. I look at the exit velocity, barrel rate. Then I go into the expected statistics. See what I can find there. Is this guy a fluke? Is he not? Could he have more potential? Could he not? Um, and then of course strikeouts for sure. That's involved in fielding independent pitching. Strikeout to walk ratio is also a good yeah. mark for how a, a pitcher's doing. Um, so yeah, that's that's our uh, that's our stats episode. Um, I'm hoping this is our first uh, episode on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. Moment of truth, though, we got one more thing to do. Uh, is is it? Uh, what is it? 
the lottery. Oh, right, the lottery. So I've been waiting all show for this. All right, so yeah, that's our statistics episode. This is this is a show I'll probably reference until we just stop doing shows because yep. we just we just went through it all for like an hour and a half. So yep. right. Uh, anytime my mom is talking talking about like what's uh what are you talking about with barrel rate i'm like i explained it on uh our april 2nd uh, april 2nd 2029 or 2020 show i don't know what year yeah, it is april, the april 2nd 2020 show that's right uh, where the first episode on apple Podcasts. it's all right there it's all right there for you laid out perfectly in my opinion so with obviously the quarantine happening, no baseball being played, no news at all, uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, so Chris and I are going to give ourselves topics. And next week when we do our show, at this point, we don't know what we're talking about, but we're going to find out. Uh, so we've decided that each show for an hour, we're going to highlight one player's entire career and then one team. And we'll do, we're just going to go through their entire season, break it, break it down from every angle. And I wrote a list. Or like a lottery sort of list of, of 30 teams throughout MLB history, one team for each franchise, most of them pretty recent. Chris, you have a list of players, and we have them all numbered. Uh, so I am going to – Chris, uh, I'll do – we'll do the player first. Okay. Uh, do you, do you want to pick your number, or should I, like, randomize a number? Random, uh, I'll pick a number. You know, I, I'm going to – okay, I – I was a little unprepared with the computer randomizer, but I feel like it would just be justice if we just randomized here. Uh, right. I could go to a computer randomizer and try to do one through 10 because I do not have 30 players p- prepared yet. I was preparing okay. for the stats stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it's so stressful as like a college student. And you know, I just- Marty, I'm broke. Just swimming. I'm out of $99. You know, it's just- Okay, the result is nine. Um, And because it's in my notes app, I'm trying to remember what nine was. Uh, (laughs) Nine, nine, number nine. Trying to think. General, Um, please. uh, I I can't go to the notes app because I think that'll stop this periscope. Yeah, don't do that. Um. You know, I'll just I'll just pick the guy because he was in he was in the uh, list, and I know it kind of takes away from the randomization. Okay. Uh, it's it was inspired from a discussion you and I had. It was based on the trivia, and that for some reason I just forgot about George Brett. George and, Brett. All right, I love it. I so, love it. So I'm just gonna I should just do research on my own because I, I know I I just noticed on my own like in my in terms of my baseball knowledge i think it's the weakest between like the uh between the 70s and 80s i would say perfect i mean hey the, i mean the one thing that stands out about george brett's career that everybody knows is the pine tar game so i'm sure we'll spend some time on that uh, i might just rewatch that game if i can i'm sure it's available somewhere um yeah. and we will be breaking down george brett's entire career chris for the team you'll be bringing down, pick a number, one through 30. Um, nine. Oh, boy. Okay. We will be doing the 2012 with Triple Crown Award winner Miguel Cabrera, Detroit Tigers. 
The wow. 2012 Detroit Tigers and George Brett. That will be our next show. That's funny because I've been going on a, a postseason like game on YouTube binge, and I've right. been trying to go chronologically. And I, I, uh, I watched, you know, I watched two of the 2012 World Series games. So perfect. So you got that knowledge fresh in your head. Didn't paint the Tigers in the most positive light, but they were a very good team. Oh, we definitely we we will. We will shine a light on the Detroit Tigers next week, as well as George Brown. One thing I will say, I think, and I, I look back at the at the Cy Young voting, I think Justin Verlander should have won that year. All right. Well, we'll discuss that next week. Yeah. So uh, next week, um, I don't think this will be on the Periscope. Um, it'll probably just be on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we will be discussing – uh, are we going to be discussing the player first or the team first? Let's do the player first. So, yeah, we'll start off. We'll ha- dedicate a half hour to George Be- George Brett's entire career, and then we'll dedicate a half hour to uh, – well, probably more, honestly, let's be real. Probably yeah. more to the 2012 Detroit Tigers, which should be a very interesting episode. Yeah, I'm excited. This is <laughs> yeah. going to be fun. I yeah, mean, we, got, we got Max Serger in there. We got uh, rookie Rick Porcello, I believe. Was he a rookie in 2012? Maybe. I think he joined the league in 2011. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. Because I was – yep, okay. Never mind. Uh, you got you got Max Serger on the Tigers. Of course, like I just mentioned, he got Triple Crown Award winner Miguel Cabrera. I know that we just uh, spent an hour plus explaining why those three stats don't matter anymore, but Triple Crown is impressive regardless. <laughs> yeah, you got, uh, you got Dougie Fister. Got Doug Fister. No, yeah. Up there. You got Tory Hunter. No. Yeah. He, okay. There was Tory Hunter. You got Prince Fielder. You got the first year of Prince Fielder when he was good on the Tigers. One of two. He was on the Tigers for two years. Um you got uh I mean my chair is loud. Uh mm-hmm. who else? I mean Austin Jackson wasn't great. Yeah. Did they have uh, Walter yet? Um, no, he was on the Cardinals then. I mean, let me look up. Actually, I, we should, we should save this for next week. I, I was going to look up the war leaders, but let's save that. All right. So, uh, yeah, yep. that'll be, that'll be our episode. Um, so yeah, next week we'll talk about George Brett. Then we'll talk about the 2012 Tigers. It is going to be weird when people see the titles of the episodes where it's like, these two have no connection whatsoever. None. I was kind of hoping you would you would pick my Royals one just for like coincidental, yeah, uh, things. But yeah, um, like one thing with me is like I'm kind of I can kind of a- adapt to things kind of well, and like I was excited to talk about the 2020 season, but now I'm really excited to just just talk about players. Random I am too. Teams. We can do that better than most other people. Oh yeah, for sure. We can we can base opinions on a computer better than, than than a lot of people by the way i would just like to give a like i guess a little psa going forward when i these teams that i wrote wrote down wrote, wrote down i can't speak but uh they were all obviously very good teams but for some of them it's not necessarily the first team you're going to think of uh when you think of that certain franchise like i know i'm not going to name any name any names but there's a few teams that chris i'm sure you were expecting to talk about that is not going to be to the team that we're talking about for a specific franchise. Yeah, like there's there's teams that won the world 
there's teams that like won the World Series and that wasn't even the the best season of that era. I'm not like, even going like best. Like obviously I'm going best, but like I'm also going on most most interesting. Yeah. Like there, okay. yeah. Like I had a really tough time deciding between 2012 and 2013 when I looked at the Tigers or even 2011. They actually won more games in 2011 than both of those years, believe it or not. Uh, but I thought 2012 was the most interesting. Uh, they went the farthest in the playoffs, and they also uh, had triple crown winner Miguel Cabrera. Yep, yep, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that wraps up our uh, episode of the show to be named later. Uh, I'm hoping is the first episode on Apple Podcasts, um, you know, probably the 30-something episode here on Paris uh, here just – doing it with each other, maybe like the twenty with on Periscope. But uh, hope everyone enjoyed. Um, It was good to kind of explain everything, get it all out there. It's all all public information. So, uh, yeah, I'm – I I have no idea how to close out a show. That was the show to be named later. You're not listening to 89.9 Springfield. Not for a while. But tune in next week for George Brett and the 2012 Tigers. It's it's done. <laughs> Gotta end the record button on on a uh, Zoom. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, I could I could edit it. Yeah, that's true. And stop recording. After stopping, you'll receive an email notification when the cloud recording is ready. <laughs>